really. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that recording? Yeah. I did, and I got a wee prompt on the screen as well. Ooh, a wee prompt. A wee prompt. A wee prompt. I challenge you to a duel. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Movie Jewel podcast. My name is Peter and I am your host. On each episode of the Movie Jewel podcast, we pick a subject based around films. Then myself and one of my co-hosts each pick a movie that we think best fits that subject. The only rule being that we can't pick a film that has already been discussed on the podcast. And this time around, I'm joined by Movie Jewelist Vanessa Cordner uh, to discuss our choices for best 80s comedy but before we get into that just a few points of order for this episode uh, first of all some thanks uh, to people over on x slash twitter uh, for likes and reposts and this time around they go to uh, right stuff reviews paul from film busters movie drone ben from film busters the contrarians the film shrapnel podcast dan bradley and LJ Human, thank you very, very much, guys, uh, for all your love over on X. And as mentioned on our last episode, uh, we now have a Patreon channel uh, that includes some uh, bonus content for just around about pound a month. You can get access to our bonus episodes, uh, the Movie Duelist Roundtables, which drop every month. Uh, basically, we pick a subject and uh, and go around the room and uh, and discuss it between ourselves. Um, our first one was based on what films were, that we're looking forward to seeing in 2024 uh, and was a whole lot of fun to uh, to go through. And our next one of those uh, should be dropping towards the end of February. But the response has been really great to uh, to the content over on, on Patreon um, and we've had a couple of new patrons who have joined since the last episode. So thanks to Marcus Love and to uh, Tara Bridget who uh, have joined our Patreon ranks. Thank you very much, guys. And thanks to everybody who's uh, joined the Patreon and is supporting uh, just to help us with some of the costs towards running this podcast. It's very, very much appreciated. Uh, and I hope that the content is uh, is worth that uh, £1 donation. Thank you very much. And as always, you can get in touch with us here at the Movie Job Podcast in a number of different ways. Uh, first of all, through Facebook, through Instagram, just search for the Movie Job Podcast and you'll find us there. Over on X and over on Threads, you will find us at Movie Jewel Pod. Uh, don't be afraid to, to send us a DM or even an email to moviejewelpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can send through your votes for the polls or you can uh, drop us some suggestions let us know what you think of uh, certain episodes things you'd like to maybe see anything and everything um, don't be afraid to drop us a message and as always the poll for this episode uh, for you to cast your vote on whose choice you agreed with more uh, will be landing on x uh, with the announcement of this episode going live so it should be on there right now and you can head on over to uh, x and cast your vote there will also be a vote on spotify which not many people seem to do um but if you listen to us through spotify you can head into the show notes and there should be a poll in there as well 
And then finally, just a few notes about this episode. There will be strong language uh, and there will be spoilers for both films. Uh, and also there is a trigger warning. Um, Heather's uh, does contain um, concepts of suicide. Um, and uh, if you don't want to see that kind of thing, then I would avoid watching or listening to this discussion. All right, so without further ado, let's head on over to episode 25 of the Movie Jewel podcast. Maybe. Well, I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. I make you laugh. I'm here to fucking amuse you. What do you mean funny? Funny how? How am I funny? Okay, so welcome back to Vanessa. Vanessa, how are you today? Hi, I'm not bad, thanks. Uh, just moaning about the weather, but that's just typical Scottish <laughs> Scottish stuff. But yeah, not bad. How about yourself? I'm all right. I'm all right. I think I'm near enough uh, fully recovered now. A little bit of a cough still, but uh, hopefully that's not going to affect uh, the episode. Um, but yeah, the the good old British weather. I think it's a British thing rather than just a Scottish thing. Yeah, yeah, we do yeah. like to moan about the weather. Of course <laughs> we do. Of course we do. What else are we going to fill our, our, our standard British lives with uh, <laughs> if, if we can't talk about the miserable weather? Um, but uh, so how's how's the start of 2024 been for you? Uh, obviously, this is the the first dual episode for you of the year. What uh, what you been up to? Yeah, um, been quite busy actually. Um, like yourself, had a couple of health things going on. I think that's just old age. But I was thinking, I've had three trips to the cinema since the turn of the year, and every single one has been like brilliant. Like so, about the third or fourth of January, I went to see Godzilla minus one because everybody was raving about it. I think um, Nicole mentioned it on her um, top movies of last year, and uh, it was incredible I, I mean I, I heard it was going to be good but I was like blown away by how good it was and how emotional it was as well um and then I went to see a couple of weeks later I went to see poor things which again I'd heard amazing things about but I didn't really know anything about it I knew it had Emma Stone and Mark Ruffalo and I knew it was kind of be- weird and I think I'd heard people say like Frankensteiny and um it was like even better I think like I was like oh my god this is like I could watch it again in a heartbeat like it was absolutely amazing and then on Monday just gone I went to see the holdovers um oh, in the yeah. local cinema and um it but if it probably wasn't it didn't blow me away the same way these other two movies did but it was a really sweet wholesome nice like enjoyable movie um yeah. And so yeah, I've been at the cinema a lot, and I'm actually planning on going <laughs> to see um all of us strangers next week. So I've been doing a lot of cinemaing, and so far it has actually been quite a good year for movies. Yeah. For see, me. I haven't I haven't been at all. I mean, I wanted to go see Godzilla, um, yeah. and it just didn't all right. Obviously, where I was ill for a, nearly a full week, and then yeah. it just it gone by then. I think, and the same with poor things. You know, it wasn't showing at my local cinema and I couldn't get to the, the sort of next town over um, where it was showing. Um, so I haven't actually seen anything at the cinema yet this year, although I'm very excited, as we discussed on our brand new Patreon um, for Ghostbusters and the new trailer for that dropped yesterday. Oh, did it? Amazing. I didn't know the new trailer dropped. Okay, I'm going to have a look at that when we finish recording. I, did, I knew it was coming out, but I hadn't seen the trailer. Um, but other than that, I've watched a couple of things 
in the last week or so. I watched a really good film last week called Time Crimes. I think it was from 2007, a Spanish film. All right. Um, it's basically about a guy who um, gets sent back an hour in time and uh, and sort of keeps bumping into himself. It's 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 hard to explain, and it's probably um, I don't want to give it. any spoilers away but it's a really great film great little sort of indie film from spain really good and would thoroughly recommend it and obviously last time you were here uh we were talking best addiction film Yeah, so quite a different topic to what we're going to be looking at today. yeah definitely so definitely <laughs> something a bit lighter today yeah, yeah. um but we put your choice of requiem for a dream against my choice of of train spine it went to the polls over on x slash twitter um and it was uh, a victory to me this time around 70% to 30% for train spine You know, I'm not I'm not surprised because even though I still stand by I think Requiem for a Dream is a better movie about addiction. <laughs> Train spotting, I think, is a better movie and it's a more enjoyable movie than Requiem for a Dream. So I do, I will kind of concede that one a little bit, I think, um, yeah. but enough about what we were talking about last time and more about what we're going to be talking about this time Uh, so you sort of broke the mould this time round, and you were the first movie duelist to spin the wheel uh, Yeah. on our random subject selector. Um, and that kicked out for us best comedy of the 1980s. So how did, how did you feel about that when, when that popped up as the subject? I was quite pleased because it was different. I don't think, I mean, we've talked about a couple of comedies, like we've talked about Clue, which is basically a comedy. We've talked about um, The Wicker Man 2006, which is possibly, Yeah, yeah, possibly a comedy. <laughs> uh, but overall, I thought it was a bit, different to what we had discussed before and it it puts you in a slightly different mindset because sometimes when we've been talking about you know dual things to pick you want to talk about a film and you almost do the duel around the fit like to fit the film so you can't do it that way around when you've got you've got to think about right what is my pick for this so I actually found it really A good like a like a good experience. I mean, I spoke to you at the time about if it had landed on like nineteen sixties sci-fi or something, I would have been like, "Shit, I have no idea what I'm doing." But I think um, I was actually quite pleased for it ended up, and I had a lot of fun watching both movies. So, with it being your choice to uh, pick the subject, and obviously you chose to spin the wheel, uh, so that left me to pick first, um, or have the first choice of film. And, you know, it, it's quite a wide open uh, subject, really. You know, like you said, it's it's quite a, an interesting one to think about because it is a full decade of, of comedy films. And there's a hell of a lot. There's a lot of great comedies in the 1980s. Um, you know, I considered some things like, you know, I probably would have considered Clue, in fact, for for this subject. And I would have considered, I did consider something like Uncle Buck or This Is Spinal Tap, um, you know, films like that, even uh, The Naked Gun. But ultimately, I went for one of my favourite films. This is in my top 50, probably, I would say, just to... to give it a nice uh, round number because I don't think it's in my, I won't put it in my top 10, but it is one of my all-time favourites um, and ultimately I went for 
Airplane from 1980. Stand by for the most extraordinary chain of events ever swept up into high adventure. Hey, Larry, where's the forklift? Forklift! It's over there for the baggage water. Airplane. Airplane is drama. Uh, this is Dr. Brody at the Mayo Clinic. There's a passenger on your Chicago flight 209 or a little girl named Lisa Davis en route to Minneapolis. She's scheduled for a heart transplant. I want you to make sure that she's kept in a reclined position and that a continuous watch is kept on her IV. Airplane is action. Airplane is romance. I love you, Elaine. I love you. Airplane is music. There is only one river. There is only one sea. Airplane is dancing. Never has the screen been so big. You ever been in a cockpit before? No, sir. I've never been up in a plane before. Peter Graves. You ever seen a grown man naked? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. My name is Roger Murdoch. I'm an airline pilot. Leslie Nielsen. This woman has to be gotten to a hospital. A hospital? What is it? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. Lloyd Bridges. Johnny, what can you make out of this? This? Well, I can make a cap. What a brooch, what a pterodactyl. Robert Stack. All right, Steve, let's face a few facts. And we hope you enjoy the rest of your flight. Julie Haggerty. By the way, is there anyone on board who knows how to fly a plane? Can you fly this plane and land it? Robert Hayes. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. I've got to get out of here. Incredible adventure the screen has ever created. He's coming right at us! The big news is. Airplane. Uh, so, directed by David Zucker, Zeri, Zeri Zucker, <laughs> Jerry Zucker, and Jim Abrams. Stars Robert Hayes, Julie Hegarty. Leslie Nielsen, Robert Stack, Lloyd Bridges, Peter Graves, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Lorna Patterson. And the synopsis for Airplane, after the crew becomes sick with food poisoning, a neurotic ex-fighter pilot must land the commercial airplane full of passengers. So, I love a good spoof. I love a good parody. Um, I was recently uh, guested on the It's Not That Bad podcast talking about uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It. So we, we sort of touched on... I love on... that film. 
<laughs> I really great, like that movie. It's yeah. great. Um, so we sort of touched on 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 a, a couple of parodies and talked about things people obviously like Mel Brooks and and mm-hmm. things like that. But I've always got because these are the they're the sort of films that I used to watch with my dad. You know, this and the Naked Gun, uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, Spaceballs. They're all the films that I remember so fondly from my childhood. So this was a relatively easy choice to to come to uh, uh, to to airplane. And what I didn't realise uh, until I started researching for this episode, because um, I'd always assumed, like a lot of people, that this was a parody of um, a seventies film called Airport, and it's actually takes most of its sort of inspiration and its parody. Um, or it's, uh, you know, it's, it's lampooning of a film called Zero Hour, um, which you can go onto YouTube and there's about an 18, 20-minute video of the the sort of side-by-side comparisons of Airplane and Zero Hour. Right. And there, it, some of it is literally shot for shot. Wow. And the dialogue is exactly the same. I mean, you know, even the line about we need to find somebody who can not only land this plane but didn't have fish for dinner <laughs> is in zero hour. It is so just zero incredible. hour a comedy. No, 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 it's a very serious <laughs> film. The slight difference is, you know, the guy who gets on the plane, his his wife and his kid are on the plane, and that's why he gets on. Right. Um, but he is an ex fighter pilot who's got, um, you know, post traumatic stress or whatever. Right. Right. Um, but it is it's it's incredible and I would encourage anybody um who likes this film to, to go and watch it because it's just it's just it's just weird. It's just so weird how you think you know, a lot of the the script and the dialogue in this film you think that it's it's sort of played up to um to be part of the parody when it's actually lifted from the film that it's that that it's sort of based on. Oh wow, right, okay. But what what's your sort of um, history with airplane? Is it something you'd seen before? Yes, is... I've definitely seen it before, but I don't think I saw it as a kid. I think my I'm sure I've mentioned before. My whole family actually, when growing up, were all kind of like really really into movies. My little brother especially was like quite a movie buff. Um, he studied like movies and stuff at uni, and I remember like him quoting it, I remember my dad quoting it. And I think I remembered that before I actually ever saw it. So a couple of the lines in it I'd heard long before I'd seen it. And then I think I saw clips of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I actually saw the full movie until I was maybe like about 20 or something. And like okay. you, I like Leslie Nielsen. I like spoof movies. I love Dracula Dead and Loving It. I love the Naked Gun movies. I love spy hard I remember watching a lot when I was young like so I did I did did remember really enjoying it but it's not something that I've seen over and over again and I really really I watched it last night in preparation for this and I really really enjoyed watching it and I watched it with Stevie my husband and he had said the same thing he hadn't seen it for a long time either and he doesn't always if I'm watching a movie to record you know, he'll kind of take it or leave it sometimes. Yeah. And he was like, oh, no, I definitely want to watch it. Like, he was like, I'm definitely watching that with you, an excuse to watch Airplane. And the two of us chuckled, like, the whole way through Oh, it. I mean, 
had lots I of was, fun I think, I was messaged, I think we, we were near enough watching it at the same time, I think, yeah, yeah. last night, and I was messaging you, I'm like, I'm just, I'm like five minutes in, and I was just giggling, yeah. giggling all, all the way through this film, and I still love it, and I still think it holds up oh, it does. Um, as as a comedy, and it's, it is just non-stop. Mm-hmm. It's not like, a, you know, you just where you're sort of groaning a little bit, and some of it's like really sort of cheap laughs. I mean, well, there might be one or two in there, but it's just such a well-crafted film. It's just such a well-crafted script, even though I know it is sort of based, you know, or lifted from another film. (laughs) But everything just works. Everything is just so consistent throughout the whole film. You know, the laughs are so consistent through the whole film. It just doesn't let up. And I think for me... Uh, and I discussed this with Jason, actually. You know, for me, the, the best parodies are the ones where they're played, where everybody acting in it is playing it completely straight. Yes. And for the most part in this film, that they're, they're playing it straight. And the same happens in films like The Naked Gun. I think the 90s, when you get to your Spy Hards and your Dracula Dead and loving it, um, and then to, you, to the noughties where you get your scary movies and epic movies and all that sort of thing. Nobody's playing it particularly straight, or for the most part, they're not playing it particularly straight. But here, everybody is acting like they're in a disaster movie mm-hmm. from the 50s, 60s, or whatever. But that just adds just adds to the funniness of it, and it just makes everything just seem that much funnier. Yeah. Um. You know, it, it, like any any great comedy or spoof or anything like that, it's got background details. You know, I've I've watched this film no end of times, and I ne- never picked up. You know, the, you get background detail and stuff like that, and I never picked up the bit where the pilot is looking at the magazines, and obviously there's there's all the porn magazines, basically all the the top shelf stuff, and the sign in front of it says wacky material. I've never noticed that before. <laughs> yeah, and there's just so many. I'm, I'm going to have to sort of just talk about some of the scenes, I think, and just, uh, well, the recurring jokes, I suppose. Yeah. They're, you know, I think they're one of the things that helps us film like this just to keep that pace because it keep going back, you know, it keeps going back to to certain, um, certain jokes um, that just get funnier every time. You know, the, the drinking problem, you know, he lops the drink straight in his face um or the you know it's it's that's not important right now you know we've got to get these people to a hospital a hospital what is it it's a big building with patients but that's not important right now and that you know that picks up pick the wrong weed to keep quick smoking drinking sniffing glue amphetamines or whatever you know that they're they're all just sort of staples of the film really and the suicides you know was as Fucking hell, what the hell's the character's name? Ted. Ted. Ted is telling everybody about, you know, his uh his 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 love life and 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 why his his girlfriend doesn't want to be with him anymore. Um and then it sort of fizzles out and the pe- you know, the old lady hangs herself and there's the guy who's about to set fire to himself and the the Japanese uh, general who um stabs himself. Yes. Who is? <laughs> Our X Files connection of the episode, played by the legendary actor James Hong of uh, 
Big Trouble in Little China, Wayne's World 2, many, 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 many other films, uh, Blade Runner as well. Um, and he was in episode of season three uh, called Hell Money, where he played a right wrong and um, who uh, was taking people's eyes and livers and all sorts in a betting game in Chinatown. One I quite like, a lot of people <laughs> don't like it as much, but I think it's quite good. <laughs> yes. It's but not... I know most, I think, from Wayne's World too, because when I was young, I used to watch Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2 a lot, and he's in, he's quite funny in Wayne's World 2, so that's as opposed to, even though I, I do know him from the X-Files, I think it's Wayne's World 2 that I know him from the most. <laughs> yeah. Um, classic. <laughs> it's the other one. The other recurring one as well is the... Uh, uh, the pilot being a bit dodgy with uh, young Joey. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? Yeah. Ever been in a Turkish prison? Which <laughs> 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 is, you know, obviously dodgy as hell, but um, it's still very, 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 very funny. Um, but again, you know, they they're all. I think every performance in this film is just it's just so strong. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've obviously got Robert Hayes and Julie Haggerty who are uh, the sort of leads. And, you know, like I said, they're playing it straight. So you believe that, you know, that relationship and you believe that they're um, sort of madly in love and or they were and, you know, they want to sort of get back together. So that straightness sort of helps to the story, the story that's you know, has to sort of keep you going where... Um, you know, some spoof films that sort of struggle with with keeping the story moving along. Um, this this doesn't have any of that. You've got Leslie Nielsen, who is just the king of of, of parody films. He's the yeah. king of spoof. Um, and this is easily is is he's probably the straightest he's ever been in a in a in one of these kind of films. He always looked the same age. Like he looks the same age yeah. in this. As he did, I don't know, fifteen years later in movies, you know, in the nineties, he's always looked like quite an old guy. But you can't have actually been that old. When he was in no, I don't think he was. I mean, this was this was actually his first comedy role in, oh, right, in okay. the eighties. You know, he he he'd been quite a you know a reasonably established actor up until uh, this point. You know, he was in things like Forbidden Planet. You know, an eight fifties yeah. uh, sort of sci fi film. He'd been in all sorts of stuff, and he he always played very straight characters. This was his right. first um, comedy, and I believe the same is it's the same for Lloyd Bridges as well, um, who would again, you know, he would go on to uh, to be in Hot Shots um, one and two as as Admiral Benson, and again, I think this was you know one of his first sort of comedy roles, and Robert Stack is just. I mean, I, I I think he did he present unsolved mysteries or something like that. He's very familiar he? to me, but I can't right. think what it is. Because he's been in a few different. Oh no, wait a minute. We're talking about sorry. We're talking about Robert. Is it Robert? Guy who's come who brings in, um, who they bring in to to help sort of talk him through talk, um, Ted through. Yeah, I couldn't find. I've I've written some notes about what other people were in, and I couldn't actually see 
what he'd been in, but I think I recognised him a wee bit as well, but I couldn't see when I looked at his filmography, I couldn't see what I would know him from. Sorry, I was getting mixed up because there's Robert Hayes and there's Robert Stack, so that's what I was getting mixed up with. Um, Rex Kramer, <laughs> that's who he plays. Yes, Captain Rex Captain Kramer. Captain Rex Kramer, who's like the go-to man for, for landing planes. Um, and uh, he's got the a fucker of a dog as well who attacks this sort of, uh, <laughs> which is a really funny moment, but I really sympathize with that guy. Cause I've, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, not a dog person. I don't mind dogs, but dogs always seem to act funny around me. And they, they tend to sort of do <laughs> that kind of thing. Maybe not to the degree that that sort of happens, but yeah. I know that feeling when you go to someone's house and they've got a dog and it just sort of jumps up at you and won't leave you alone. And sort of gets a bit, gets a bit sort of close to becoming a bit sort of aggressive or fruity. And uh... as a responsible dog owner, <laughs> nobody, if, if somebody comes, my dogs can be a bit mad, but if somebody comes into my house and I've got friends that don't really like, or, you know, that are cautious around dogs, I would never let my dogs just jump all over the top of them. So uh, Rex Kramer, irresponsible dog, very irresponsible <laughs> dog owner. <laughs> Gives us all a bad name, these people. Well, I, I, I mean, that scene's just mental. Obviously, the dog, the dog, sort of attacking the guy, and then Rex Kramer steps out of the mirror, and it's just like there's just so much in this film that just comes out of nowhere. It's just fantastic. I just cannot get enough of it, and I, I'm just going to keep keep gushing and gushing over this film. <laughs> I don't really know what much more to say, other than if you've seen it, you know what I mean. It's it doesn't stop, and it's just so clever. It, it's those those jokes are just so clever, you know. Um, the whole, you know, uh, surely you can't be serious. I am. Don't call me Shirley. You know, it just. That's the one that my dad and my brother used to say. Anytime <laughs> somebody in our house said Shirley, one of them would say, "Don't call me Shirley." You know, "Don't call me Shirley." Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> um, so I heard that long, long before I think I ever um, saw them. Another bit I think I, I, I'd seen or I'd seen a parody of before I'd seen the movie and the whole was the staying alive. <laughs> but that's been done in other. That's been done in other. Yeah, movies, oh, hasn't well, it? because I've yeah, seen that. But I never. I've seen not that. Not as few good things. as that though. I mean, it's just no. just the, the whole you know where he. He throws throws his hat first, doesn't he? And somebody throws it back at the bartender, and then he's, and then chucks his jacket. And somebody throws it back at it. <laughs> and the girl scouts, yeah, right in, and and I that whole scene's brilliant, actually. But I've definitely seen that same scene done like two or three different ways. And well, that girl, I mean, I don't know if the girl scouts are meant to be sort of members of the army, but I've, I wrote girl scouts in my notes. Um, but that's a real, that's proper gnarly fight as well. That's the, mm-hmm, you can mm-hmm. see that there must be two, obviously two stunt actresses, but yeah, yeah. fucking hell. They I look like so. they're fucking battering <laughs> the shit out of each other for real. It's amazing. And it always gets me the bit where she's dancing with the guy and he gets stabbed in the back and then he's, he's pointing. <laughs> <laughs> he's <going down. laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to keep giggling. <laughs> Um, yeah, but like I say, the the, the script, you know, the, it's the, the the other what was the other line? I've got it written somewhere. So how how long before we can land? I can't tell. You can tell me I'm a doctor. 
Can you take a guess? <laughs> Not for another two hours. You can't guess for another two hours. And it's just so <laughs> clever. It's so intelligent and, and witty, the the thing. And, you know, there's it, it, so much going on. You've got the family um, with the little boy and the the wife who's um, suspicious of her husband because he's having a second cup of coffee and throwing up. Mm -hmm. He never does this at home. Um, you've got, like, the, um, the two rich kids. There, uh, and again, you know, another slightly sort of dodgy moment in the this little girl saying, I, I like my coffee black, I like my men. There's quite a few bits I felt. I don't know, I had it in my head, and I don't know what the rating is, it, it is actually, but I had it in my head it was quite, like, PG, mm. but actually... Oh, it is P this is 1980 PG, but it is PG. Yeah, but there's quite a lot of, like, sex gags and stuff for yeah. being PG. Like, you've got the stuff with Otto. Yeah. You've got the 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 no shagging <laughs> sign that comes up under the no smoking sign. It's just a... You've got it's a just a random pair of tits. So I've got it in my office. Is that what you were going to say? It's well? <laughs> <laughs> It's like random pair of tits on the screen. Like, like you wouldn't get that in PG movies no, now. You no. So I was like, oh, this is actually, there's more adult humour in it, I think, than what I remember, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But as we've established, I love that stuff. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> You've got uh, who else is there? So you've got the uh, you've got the two the two black passengers who are talking jive, and the old lady who comes along and says, "Oh, I can talk jive," and starts sort of talking to them and stuff like that. Um, that was mostly improvised. Really, bloody hell! Yeah, yeah. So I read because uh, when we were watching it last night, Stevie was like, "Oh, you know, that's a bit." And I was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's of its time kind of thing. But I was like, I wonder, like, I wonder where that came from. And I had a look, and apparently, a lot of it was improvised, which I thought was quite mm. cool because it was quite well done. Yeah. And then uh, I, I've got to give a shout out because again, it's it's such a funny uh, performance, and for somebody who's who's not a uh, an actor as his, his first profession, but Kareem Abdul Jabbar. That's the basketball guy. guy player, it he just cracks me yeah. up completely every time. It's, He's brilliant. Plays it so 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 well. He was an actually he was a basketball. Yeah, he player, was. Yeah. He? yeah. He well, again, this player. is another thing that was lifted from zero hour because the the co pilot in that film was uh, uh, an NFL um, athlete at the time. Oh wow! Uh, right, that was sort of lifted from that and and sort of read on again for this film, but. It's just so funny that he's, you know, that he is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but he's just sort of moonlighting as a as Roger Murdoch or whatever his name is. Uh, and the little boy knows it because yeah. he keeps saying, no, you're a basketball <laughs> player. And he's like, no, that Murdoch. Yeah. yeah. My dad says you only tried, tried on the, during the playoffs. The hell I don't. <laughs> and he sort of breaks. It's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. There's some weird, really weird shit as well, like the bit where, is it the Rex... The captain Rex Kramer's wife wakes. Is it? Is she's got a horse in the yeah. bed next to her? <laughs> like there's some bits that don't even really make any sense, but they're still quite no, funny. <laughs> no, it's just a lot of randomness. I mean, the only and again, this, this well, this is something that Jason sort of picked up on again when we, when I was talking to him. You've got the guy who's who's in the tower. I forget the character's name. 
um, Stephen Suckler, I think his name is, uh, who's the actor who plays um, Stephen Stucker, sorry, who plays Johnny, who's the sort of quite sort of camp character, who's Oh yeah, and yeah, he gets yeah. a, he does get a little bit too much towards the end. I think he's 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 very he he's the only one who's not playing it straight. I think. Um, and it, yeah, and it maybe gets a wee bit annoying towards the end. As, yeah, 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 that's yeah, fair. yeah, yeah. But yeah, it, it just the ra I just love it. The randomness, like you say. Um, you know, it's like when uh, Ted's in the in the hospital and. Uh, uh, going through everybody, you know, he he still thinks he's in the war. He still thinks he, he what's up with him. He thinks he's F F or Merman. <laughs> she gets up and starts singing. That bit's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> aye, that bit's that's bit. Aye, that bit's brilliant. Sorry, I can't stop laughing at this. Even I know, when I'm not but watching. It is, <laughs> It's just like one funny thing after the next day. And another thing I was going to mention was the woman that, you know, he said, do you want to take a drink? And she's like, absolutely not. And then she starts a line of coke. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so random. Like. Well, um, I mean, but no, it's... I'd, I'd be remiss to mention, I know we're literally just going for all the gags here, but I I don't care. Um, the one, <laughs> and it still gets me every time. Um, the guitar scene where the stewardess um gets the the guitar to sing to the the little girl who's waiting for the the heart transplant or whatever, it still fucking cracks me up every time. Which is that something like a teacher? Just her face, it's brilliant. It is so so funny. Um, uh, that's the thing though. It's like visually funny, but it's also like line after yeah. line after line after line. And not many movies manage to do that. Like you tend to get one or the other. You tend to get kind of more like slapstick mm. or you get really clever yeah. writing. It's very unusual. I can't think of another movie that meshes the two where you're laughing at things being said, but you're also laughing mm. at what you're looking mm -hmm. at like simultaneously. Like I, I don't know how many movies actually pull that off, to be honest. And I think this yeah. one... And I know we are very much gushing about it, but it's because it's really difficult to criticize. Yeah, you know, and again, you know, just everything. Just it, it, even you even have moments where stuffs, you know, just piled on top of each other. You've got jokes on jokes and visual jokes on top of visuals, like you say. You know, like in the opening where they were all walking through the airport and stuff, and you've got these these two tannoy announcements that are going off, and then they start <laughs> arguing and like the red zone. Is for offloading and only and the white enough of this shit kind of thing, you know. And it's just everything. It's a hundred miles an hour, absolute hundred miles an hour. This film, yeah, it is. But that's yeah. good because that's what you want out of comedy. You want it to zip along. You want it to be laugh, laugh, laugh. Mm. You don't want it to be sitting bored at any point. I can't remember the runtime of this movie. I think it's only about Not an hour and a half. Eighty-two minutes. Yeah. And that's just mm. perfect. That's all you need. Mm. And there's not really a wasted minute in it. There's not a time that you think, oh, this is going off in a bit of a... Whereas like with most films, even really good comedies, there'll be a wee bit of a lull where you're like, oh, it's gone a wee bit too far in this direction. Obviously, you've spoken about the camp guy who maybe gets a little bit much, but not, not to the point that you're getting bored or you're, you know, 
you're getting uninterested. Mm. Like, it literally keeps your attention. Because also, even though it's a comedy, it is still, it's got that element of a disaster movie as well, because you've still got the fact that this plane could crash. And I think we've spoken about before, I bloody love a movie set on a plane and the idea of a plane (laughs) possibly going down. So although you've got all this comedy, you've also got this, oh, are they actually going to land the plane? Um, Is everybody going to be okay? element to it which helps it zip along as well so it's really really pacey as well which I like because I yeah. think there's far too many movies especially now they're going for far too long so I love a short <laughs> movie <laughs> absolutely well I you know I, I will always sort of stand by something I've said before is that I think a comedy a lot of comedies always struggle in the last third because you've got to conclude yeah. the story but you've also got to maintain the laughs which yes. I think just ever so slightly this film maybe struggles to the, towards the very end because you just you know where it's sort of going and it's wrapping the story up but it still yeah. has the time to sort of throw in some of the things and it that's where it maybe gets a little bit too uh zany potentially but doesn't it it doesn't take away it doesn't take away from the film at all yeah yeah because you still like i said before you know you're still with um uh, the two main characters and their sort of love story and you're happy to see them together in the end kind of thing as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's another element, actually. Like, even though everybody kills himself every time they listen to Ted because he's going <laughs> on and on and on, you actually are quite invested in them as a couple. Yeah. Like, you want them to get together at the end. So you've got the comedy, you've got this disaster element, but you've also actually got, like, a kind of old-fashioned love story mm-hmm. Element. Also, you've got Otto. I mean, he gets his blow up girlfriend yeah, yeah, at the yeah. end, so he has a happy, happy ending for him as well. But I think that because you've got those different elements, it's not just absolutely pure mm. slapstick comedy. That there, there are a couple of human elements yeah. in it, and you're behind them as well, which makes it really well written. Because I think balancing all those things must be really tricky, mm. to be honest. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, I think that's pretty much all I can say about airplane. I think it's... Can I ask you about the sequel? Because um, Airplane 2 is actually on Paramount where I watched mm-hmm. Airplane, and I've never seen the sequel, and I know that you said that you were possibly going to watch it last night, and I know you've seen it before, and I was just wondering, is it worth it? I got watch? about 20 minutes in and I fell asleep last night. <laughs> <laughs> I take it it's not um, as good. No, it's not as good, but it is worth a look because there are a lot... There's a lot right. of sort of people in it that were in the first one as well, and um yeah it's definitely worth a look it's not on the same level um and it does go a little bit too sort of zany but obviously it's like it's a the first the first space shuttle to take people to the moon basically is the is the concept of the film um but i mean i haven't seen it for a long time so but from what i started sort of watching i you know it it, it wasn't on this level at all but it's worth it's definitely worth a look yeah. Worth a watch, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll check that out because I I don't have to pay for it or anything. So if it's <laughs> if it's worth it, and I take it it's only like a ninety minute movie as well. It's I like think not it's a big even shorter than um the first one. First yeah. One. Okay. Well, uh, what we'll do is we'll take a short break at this moment, um, and then we'll be back to discuss your choice. <laughs> Thank you. 
Okay, so welcome to the intermission. So this is the part of the episode in which I ask my co-host a random question, a question they've not prepared for, and get their honest first answer. Vanessa, are you ready? No, because I'm never ever ready for this because I've no idea what you're going to answer to me and I'm never good at thinking on my feet. So, no, I'm not ready, but I will give it my best well, shot. I mean, you might, you might, you might have inspiration from the film we just talked about, but this is where the sort of um, the questions sort of come from. Um, but, but what do you think is the best dance scene in a movie? Okay, so the dance scene in this is pretty good. Funnily enough, there was a dance scene in Poor Things that I just saw recently that was amazing. Um, I'm trying to think of dance scenes in movies. You've got, what, like Dirty Dancing, Pulp Fiction. Oh, my word, this is difficult. There's a dance scene in an episode of The X-Files, that won't count, (laughs) but um, the postmodern Prometheus that I really like. (laughs) Oh, geez. Okay, if I had to pick... A dance scene, I'm just trying to think, oh, I would probably go with Pulp Fiction, just because it's so iconic, and as a wee aside, it was um, my, I think it was my dad's 70th. I thought you were going to say it was your wedding dance. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 our wedding dance was a Tiny Dancer by Elton John. Um, it was my dad's, I think it was my dad's 70th. It was either my dad's 70th or it was a wedding anniversary. My mum and dad had a party at their house. This was a while ago, kind of pre-pandemic. And they learned the Pulp Fiction <laughs> dance. And my mum and dad dressed oh, wow. up as John Travolta and Uma Thurman and actually did the dance. And it was, a. Uh, have got it, in, I've got a video of it, not very good video. Oh, but I um, so I suppose that. that's maybe got a special... <laughs> Yeah, I'll let you see it. um, So I suppose that's got a special place in my heart because my mum and dad recreated it. But also, it's um, I'm not a huge Tarantino fan, but I think it's a very iconic scene. Yeah. Um, Well, that's definitely up there, but I think I would ultimately go for um, the dance from Climax, uh, the Gaspar Noé film. I haven't seen Climax, but I watched... Um, Irrever- I rewatched Irreversible, the very fun movie, the other day, and it did make me think I need to watch more Gaspar Noé because I, I, I don't know what that says about me, but um, despite Irreversible being a very, very difficult movie to watch, I think it's very yes. well made, and I know there's quite a few Noé movies out there, so I will definitely yeah, I mean, Clim- check out. Climax has has had sort of, I think it's a it's a very marmite film. You either love it or hate it, but. Right. I really enjoyed it, um, and I've not really touched on much of his work. Um, I remember watching Irreversible a long time ago. Um, definitely not a film that I'd probably revisit, like yourself. Um, but um, yeah, that, that, that and uh, you know, I'm not somebody who likes stand sitting and watching dances and and shit like that. But yeah. it's just it's quite mesmeric, and you just sort of just you know you can't take your eyes off it and then the rest of the film is just completely insane. I will check I'm gonna check out more Gaspar Noe stuff. So I definitely will check Climax. I would say irreversible. Like I, I didn't enjoy it on a rewatch, but it's an interesting movie to, yeah. to rewatch. Oh absolutely. Yeah. The only I think the only other Gaspar Noe I've seen is Love, which is effectively a porn film. What is it? Yeah. It ends with a penis ejaculating at the screen because it was filmed in nice. 3D. Oh, lovely. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you go from talking about airplane to talking about Gaspar Noe. <laughs> well, there we go. That's, that's, that's they're, they're, they're the uh, uh, the 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 backwards and forwards we go to on the uh, uh, movie duel <laughs> podcast. Uh, and on that note, on spunking cocks, we will go back to the main episode. Thank you very much, Vanessa. <laughs> So, um, my pick was thought about a few movies. There's a few um, films that I like 80s comedies wise that are very kind of, um, you know, favourites of mine. Things like Back to the Future. Although, actually, I'm not sure I would call Back to the Future a comedy, but it is billed as being a comedy. Um, Beetlejuice. Adventures in Babysitting. I don't know if you've ever seen Adventures in Babysitting. Um, there's a few films that are quite close to my heart for the 80s, but the movie I've picked is in my top 10 films of all time. Like I would, I would probably put this in my top 10 movies of all time, and it is Heathers from 1988. You wanted to be a member of the most powerful clique in school. Dear Diary, Heather said she teaches people real life. You were nothing before you met me. You were a Girl Scout cookie. Does it not bother you that everybody in this school thinks that you're a piranha? Like I give a shit. Everyone and everyone just look right at me. You a Heather? No, I'm a Veronica. I don't really like my friends. I don't really like your friends either. They're people I work with and our job is being popular. Maybe it's time to take a vacation. My best friend. And your worst enemy. Same difference. My teen angst has a body count. This is a tragic thing. Hallelujah. We scare people into not being assholes. What did you say, dickhead? I want them dead. You did too. Did not. You did not. Shut up. I love my dead gay son. You are out of control. This is filthy. What do you think I'm gonna do with it? Take out her tonsils? Ha! Is this as good for you as it is for me? Life can suck. That's it. We're breaking up. So, directed by Michael Lehman, who had a look at his other stuff, and he seems to do quite a lot of TV. He's done episodes of Californication, Dexter, American Horror Story. I think he directed The Truth About Cats and Dogs and Airheads. And um, it was written by Daniel Waters, who wrote Batman Returns, (laughs) which I didn't know until I looked it up for this. Um, Starring Winona Ryder, Christian Slater, Shannon Doherty, or Doherty, Lassanne fought Kim Walker. And the plot of Heathers, I think, to sum it up, is it's just like a high school black comedy. Um, I suppose I, I, I watched... Have you seen Mean Girls? Mm-hmm. I watched Mean Girls the other day, not 
like you know how sometimes you just put a movie on while you're doing other stuff yeah, and yeah. something you know quite well and Mean Girls is a bit like that for me I can put it on I don't have to pay attention I've seen it loads of times but it suddenly occurred to me Mean Girls wouldn't probably exist without Heathers I think Heathers yeah. is like a like a very very dark and when I say it's a comedy I think it's a very dark comedy I think it's a bit of a satire but I think I had to pick this because it is one of my favourite movies and it does fit the bill of an 80s comedy albeit a very very dark comedy <laughs> and um, I've loved it since I first saw it I think I saw it at the right age. I was quite young when I saw it um, and all the stuff about high school and how difficult high school is really kind of spoke to me. So it's probably part of why I like it so much is probably when I originally saw it as like a young girl, knowing what it's like to navigate high school and all this shit associated Mm. with that. How about you just saw this, didn't you, for the first time? Yes, this was my first watch. And I think, yeah, I I... Yeah, I didn't. I don't. I still don't know what to make of it. Right. Um, I thought it was a good film. Mm-hmm. But I don't really get it as a comedy. I know it's meant right. to be a black, a very yeah. black, very dark comedy. Um, yeah. but I don't remember laughing. Oh right, okay. See, I... <laughs> I. I'm afraid. I I'm really sorry to say that because I know you really like this film, but. No, but I think it's the type of film that you laugh the more you watch it. I think it stands... I know people that have watched this and not enjoyed it, really, on a first watch, but have much preferred it subsequently. And I think trying to get your head around what it is on a first watch is quite difficult because, you know, is this a comedy? Is it a satire? Like, what's it trying to say? Um, But... The, like I mean I've seen this movie so many times I saw it in the cinema a few years ago there was like a it must have been would it have been a thir- 30 years anniversary would have been like what yeah 19 uh, 2018 would have been a 30 year anniversary wouldn't it? that's maybe mm-hmm. when they released it right and I went to see it at the cinema and I remember laughing a lot more than I had ever before because you know sometimes I think when there's like more people around you just some of the lines in it um but it's interesting to hear that you didn't necessarily automatically click with it. So what if you didn't think it was a comedy, kind of what did you think it was? Well, I wouldn't say I didn't think it was a comedy because I recognised that it was obviously meant to be very dark, you know, yeah, very dark humour. Um, but I think maybe, and I think it's prob- probably what you touched on there is, you know, the age that you saw it and, you know, I'm watching this now uh, for the first time and I'm 40 so mm-hmm. you know this this wouldn't have been made for 40 year olds in 1988 um, yeah. even though I've been through you know high school and or secondary school uh, yeah. as we put it here um, which you know British secondary schools never look as glamorous as um, American high schools do they no no they never do, they never um, do. Uh, so I think that's probably Probably why, you know, but again, I could, I could, I could sort of probably recognise why it's it is well liked because I think it's got, you know, it, it, like you say, it's got that sort of mean girlness to it, and I can it, again another film that doesn't really click with me, but again, I again I understand and I can see why people love it and enjoy it. Um, but I don't know, I just didn't. Um, I couldn't get on board with it as being as being a comedy, and I think, but I did enjoy the very sort of dark 
nature of it and the dark tone of it. I think it probably, again, you know, looking at it in 2024 eyes, four eyes, 2020, <laughs> <laughs> um, through the lens of 2024, you know, it, it, there's obviously some problematic parts to it in terms there of, are... in terms of obviously, um, this, you know, there's a bit of homophobia, quite a bit of homophobia in there. Um, and, um, you know, the obvious, um, uh, you know, the, the the themes around suicide and stuff as well, which are, um, you know, and I, I think that probably what probably didn't help is a week ago I found out somebody um, that I know had committed suicide as well, so that probably didn't help in terms of me seeing the more sort of or trying to see the the lighter side of, of, of that in this film. Right. That right. probably didn't help. <laughs> yeah. Sorry to hear that. No, I mean it is I think there are problematic bits that you're right, there's a lot of homophobia. Um the stuff about mental health. Um there's also I think this came out before the rise of school shootings yes. in America. Yeah. And the stuff, you know, with him pulling a gun and trying to blow up the school at that time. That wasn't really a thing, but obviously I can't remember when Columbine happened, but that Columbine was definitely after. Two, um, ninety-nine, I think. Yeah, so that was a good like 10, 11 years later. But I suppose the way I look at the kind of suicide stuff is suicide was being used as a like a kind of metaphor rather than they were actually talking about it. It mm. was more about, you know it became this thing that people did because everybody was doing it. Um, I'm probably not verbalising it very well, but the way that I looked at that I look at it is it isn't actually talking about suicide. Yeah, yeah. Using that as a bit of a allegory, but I completely understand well, where you're coming from well, and I think it is a difficult subject. But then I think, you know, in it, you know, in the in the context of the film, the only person who go or, or tries to commit suicide is um uh, is is the large girl? I can't remember her name. Martha Dumtruck. Martha Dumtruck. That's it. Her name's actually Martha Dunstock, but they call her Martha Dumtruck because they're all fucking assholes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who go? You know, she's the only one who intentionally goes to kill herself, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and and survives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think it's. I think the whole fact that like it becomes this thing, and then this song comes out about suicide, and then you've got this kind of nutty teacher talking to kids about, you know, <laughs> the biggest yeah. decision you'll ever make about whether or not to commit suicide. And um but I can I, I I can accept that. And I think watching it, I was trying to watch it more critically because it's easy to watch a movie that you love mm. and just get sucked in it. So I was trying to watch it a little bit more critically this time round and think, yeah, that that's not, you know, there are parts of that that are quite um, bleak and I can understand why people would find that quite difficult to watch because it's almost like some you know it's like making light I don't think the movie is trying to make light of it but I can see why you could watch it like kind of through that but I think the thing for me is it's maybe not laugh out loud funny the way that uh, Airplane is yeah. but I think some of the writing is, fanta like, is fantastic it's so sharp hmm. I mean the way that the, the people speak isn't even how people spoke in the 80s. It's almost like they made up a language for them when they say, like, what's your damage, Heather? Oh, it's going to be so very and all of this. Mm. People didn't actually talk like that. Like, mm -hmm. 
it was almost just like a way that they made up to speak for this specific kind of fantasy high school. Mm. And there was elements about it that I think were like fantastical, like the bit at the start where Veronica's buried in the croquet set, which makes me think it's not actually supposed to be, you're not supposed to watch it thinking Mm. it's all actually real, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it does feel very dreamlike. Yeah. There's sort of a bit of a haze to the film, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it touches on things that, you know, at the time... I think we're quite difficult and weren't touched on much. So the bit where they're, they're at the university party and you've got these two creepy guys mm. trying it on with them and you've got, you know, Veronica saying, you know, I don't want anything. The other girl, you get the impression she's not wanting to do anything either, but she's kind of forced into it. And even though she's this big confident bitch of the school that's like the mm. queen bee, I mean, she's, I, I'm not sure if I would say she was assaulted, but she's definitely like, talked into doing something that she doesn't want to do and you know at the time I don't think you would have seen that in a lot of movies that whole thing around like you know consent and 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 people you know doing things because of peer pressure and stuff like I think parts of it are actually quite what's the word um like um like before their time kind of thing I think parts of it yeah 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 Yeah. and I think that there are sort of you know is it's all you know it pulls it round in the end and it pulls it round you know that it speaks to um you know although it, it it takes a very dark sort of look at them um throughout the picture the things that are like the suicide and and just the way they're they're treating each other or the the way all of these people treat each other you know it does sort of come round in the end and um and, and you know when I write his character sort of you know, they sort of take in charge, and and you know, you get the impression that they're, you know, she's she's going to sort of get rid of this this sort of cancer that's in the school of these cliques and this, you know, and by you know, befriending Martha Dumbtruck or whatever her name Dumbtruck. is, <laughs> um, Martha. You know, it has a nice sort of a happy ending. Yeah, I think that's the point. I think it's showing you that, like, high school, secondary school, most people, regardless if they were popular or not, had a hard time mm. in school. Like, it's when you're, like, finding who you are and you're trying to fit in with people and you've got bullying, you've got peer pressure. Like, it's a, it's a really... And uh, JD's character talks about, like, oh, you know, school is society. And I suppose it is like a microcosm of a society because even when you get older and you enter the workplace, you have all that same shit, not to the same extent, mm. but we all know what it's like to work and have people in work that are bullies and have clicks mm. in work and have people getting left out and all the rest of when it. There's you, an op- you get that. Like, well, there's an open door policy for assholes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have to talk about Christian Slater because I absolutely love Christian Slater <laughs> and I think he is brilliant in this. Apparently Brad Pitt um, addition for the mm-hmm. role and was told he was he was too nice. <laughs> um, Christian Slater said he played it with Jack Nicholson in mind, which I think is blindingly obvious. Do you know what? I yeah, I wrote that down and it it sort of twigged with me that not only has he trying to sort of play it like Jack Nicholson in this, but he essentially plays most of his roles. Um, like he's trying to be Jack Nicholson, I think. <laughs> I think he does. Um, and I say that's somebody who loves Christmas. And funnily enough, years and years ago, I saw him at the Edinburgh Festival playing 
the character Jack Nicholson plays in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Right. It's a play. I don't know how they managed to get Christian Slater because I mean, he was a fairly big name at the time, although maybe not as big as he was at one point. Well, the and, Fringe um, is a fairly big. I suppose it is a fairly yeah. big thing, but it wasn't like a massive venue. Like it was, it, it was quite surreal. And he played, I can't remember Jack Nicholson's character in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Is it called, is it called Jack actually? Randall. Randall. He plays that character. So that was quite quite funny. But I think Jack uh, Christian Slater kind of nails this, although, I mean, it is, it is a very on-the-nose performance. <laughs> and I think Winona Ryder's really good in this as well, actually. I think she's somebody else I love for like things like Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, more recently, like Stranger Things. Um, and apparently they started dating while they were filming this, and I'm not totally surprised by that because <laughs> I actually could totally see them mm. as a couple. And randomly, I don't know if you noticed, there was a... A connection between this and Beetlejuice that's not just Winona Ryder. Yes, the um, uh, the Reverend at the funerals is the 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 weird um, Otto. Otto, that's it. And Beetlejuice. What is he? The sort of interior designer or something? I suppose is he? Yeah, yeah, he's friends uh... with the mum. But yeah, I mean, I just I, like I said, I mean that's. Probably not a whole lot more to say about it. I just feel that it's a really good, it's very well written. It's got, you know, like just quotable line after quotable line after quotable line. But it has got this feeling of what, and we've seen so many movies since then about high school. Mean Girls is the obvious one, but mm. there's loads of movies that show you similar things and how difficult high school is. And I think this just <clears throat> captures that. But as you say, I think you've got to acknowledge there are problematic parts. There's a lot of gay slurs and mm. stuff that you know just you know don't sit particularly well. Now, um, well, I think it probably... it's it, it's it's just that you know it's a bit like Team Wolf with the whole you know oh I thought I thought you were going to say you were queer or whatever um, when he reveals he's a werewolf. It it it's very much like that kind of ickiness to it because i mean it's the biggest problem and i the biggest problem i had was with the cops when they find the two the two guy uh, the two lads um yeah and they're like oh well i would have shot myself if i was gay kind of thing yeah. um that was really um it's probably the biggest sort of problem um but then there was bits that were quite funny as well, like the bit where the guy's in the church and he said, "I love my dead gay son." Yeah, well, that was, yeah, it, it pull it does sort of pull that it does sort of pull it back, I suppose, in in yeah. in that fashion, um, for sure. Although JD does make a, a a statement that's quite telling, I think, in that funeral where he says, "You know, would he would he love his gay son if he was still alive?" Because obviously, yeah, well, yeah, the, the impression is that you know he wouldn't he wouldn't have, but no, I do. I do get that. Although I, th- I think they still there were still bits that were funny about it, like the mineral water. Like you know, we found yeah, this. Yeah, it must be true. <laughs> it must be gay because you've got mineral water. That was the mark in 1988 of if you were gay or not. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, hang on. Let me just get the bottle of um, mineral water. <clears throat> mineral water. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Excuse me. But I did like, you know, I thought that they were they had a lot of really interesting sort of side characters, you know, the parents and, um, you know, some of the, the, the sort of little parts of the uh, within the film, you know, her parent, you know, where, where she we she sort of fakes a, a, a suicide, fakes hanging herself, and a mum comes in, it's like, 
should have let you take that job at the mall. <laughs> Aye, there's just these really random wee quirky bits or the bit where our dad will be like, why did I smoke this? Because you're an idiot. And then the mum will go, you too. And there's like a couple of bits like that that are just, I do get it as a comedy, but again, I don't know if it's just because I've seen it so many times. I think if you were to re-watch it, you would possibly laugh a bit more, as I said, on a second watch than you maybe would. Yeah, and maybe it may be it may be the mistake I made was watching airplane, then watching this. Because mm, airplane mm. is a very comedy comic. You know, and I would you know, I'd I'd look at films like, you know, some of my personal favourites, you know, that are sort of darker comedies, something like Gross Point Blank, um, yeah. which is, you know, probably a similar kind of tone to this. And it's not that's not really a laugh out loud sort of comedy i suppose yeah. it and they you know like you say it probably does need a, a rewatch to sort of appreciate the 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 comedy aspects of it but like i said at the start i didn't think it was a bad film i thought i can understand i can see why people um really gush over it and it's um it's a very well-made film you know uh, the director's not somebody who i've you know, I looked at his filmography and he say, you know, like cats and dogs, and um, there's a few other random things in there as well. Um, right. that I, you know, don't particularly float my boat, but um, I thought it was very well made, yeah. You know, it's shot it's quite stylish, yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. Um, even like the way they dress and stuff, because again, that wasn't really how people were dressing at that time. It was no. like it had this whole aesthetic that maybe feeds into that kind of dreamlike, yeah, fantastical thing. Um, you know, just the way that they're all dressed and the way that JD's dressed, and I think it's um, you know, the plain what's it croquet it's called and mm-hmm. stuff like. I think it does have a particularly particular aesthetic. Um, but watching it very close to the airplane. I think I would agree with you. It makes it less of a comedy and just more of mm. maybe a satire is maybe the right word. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. But and I mean, what I what I read, um, I read a few sort of notes on on Heather's as well, and there was actually a couple of alternate endings or or planned endings as well mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that were even darker. Because I believe one was that she, after JD blows himself up, she commits suicide mm-hmm. um Ver- veronica is it veronica 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 commits suicide and then the other one was that martha when she you know says to martha about watching movies or whatever um martha turns around and stabs her mm-hmm. <laughs> it could have been it could have been even darker but it's actually like you said earlier it's actually quite a hopeful Ending. Yeah, well, I think it needs it. It definitely sort of needs it, and I think if you if you if they'd have played this a bit more, um, of maybe a horror, mm-hmm. then that you know those those sort of endings would have because it is very horror adjacent. I think this film. That's maybe one of the reasons I like it so much because I would call I would call it horror adjacent. Mm. I think it is it is almost, and you could you could write it slightly differently and make it a basically more of a horror movie. Yeah, because um, JD's then, definitely a bit of a psychopath, I think that's probably mm. the right word. He's... Him and his dad, the relationship they have is bizarre. Yeah, like yeah. The way that they talk to each other when 
the dads like like the son and he blows up buildings and the stuff about the mum. Um, like that's a kind of really odd dynamic. But I know a lot of horror fans who really like this movie. So mm. maybe it has got an element and that's maybe another reason that I like it so much because as you say, it is, it is quite a horror in a way as well. Yeah. Um, well, he's, you know, he's intent. He's sort of set out to to kill these these kids, these, mm-hmm. you know, these... Mm-hmm these high schoolers he's that's his that's what he wants to do you know he's not well, he thinks that's going to fix it for some reason which is like extreme yeah had <laughs> extreme incredibly yeah yeah um but is that i mean you know this this is probably a a long shot and i'm not saying it's to a massive extent but it is almost a little bit a very small amount quite lynching this film mm, that's an interesting take actually it's you know it it's uh, i'm certainly not going to put it into that sort of into that mix of that kind of film and 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 the style and aesthetic and everything of david lynch but you could almost imagine david lynch making this film yeah and then i think it would be something it would be more of that you know even more horror adjacent and i think it is it is definitely in that in that discussion that's a good shout actually i'd quite like to see a david lynch version of Heather's. Um, <laughs> i think it would be even more kind of fucked up than this ends up being but um yeah that's interesting because i liked it i mean not always like david lynch but i've got more into lynch like the older of, and actually after i mean we've spoken recently i've watched the whole of the first two seasons of Twin Peaks recently and thinking about that and thinking about some of the stuff in this I can see like the croquet stuff for instance like where she's actually but like that's the type of thing you could possibly see and mm-hmm. you know something like Twin Peaks so um I hadn't I hadn't thought about that at all but that's definitely food for thought mm. definitely. Indeed, indeed. I'll tell you a little bit of trivia about um that I thought was quite interesting. Jennifer Rhodes, who plays Veronica's mum, mm-hmm. also plays Shannon Doherty's mum in Charmed. Because you know how Charmed yeah, was yeah. a big thing? That yeah. Shannon... I never watched it, but I know 90210 and Charmed were like um, big things that uh, Shannon Doherty did. Because mm-hmm. she was one, one of the biggest stars in this, actually. Um, there's not, apart from like um, Winona Ryder and Christian Slater, there's not a lot of people. No, well, I mean, I... I had to look for to see if there was maybe an X Files connection in in uh, Heather's, and I couldn't find one. But sort of looking through, and a lot of people um, had not really done a great deal, sort of past the late eighties. Um, I mean, I know there is sort of stories of a bit of a curse on this film as well, isn't there? Because the lead actress, I believe, died of a brain tumor or something. Was that Heather Duke? The main? I think so. Right. Yeah, well, I didn't know she died, but I knew she hadn't really done much after this, which I thought was a shame because I thought she was really, really good. Mm. Um, she played that part, like, brilliantly. But, yeah, not a lot of people And I think one of, the, on. one of the, one of the, one of the jocks who, who dies, I think it's him, one of them um, actually shot himself as well. Oh, God, that's a bit good. Mm. I hadn't realised that... Um, one thing I was going to ask you, I mentioned that Daniel Waters wrote this, right? And I think it's really well written, mm. as I've said a couple of times. And he wrote Batman Returns. Mm. 
do you see any similarity? Because I know you're a Batman fan. Um, do you see any similarities with the script for this and the script for because the, the the script for Batman Returns is quite quirky. Well, I believe didn't he also write Demolition Man? Okay, I didn't clock that, but possibly I'm not as familiar with Demolition Man as I'm with Batman Returns. I think so, and I would say okay. I would say it's more akin with um, Demolition Man. Demolition Man, um, just in terms of. Probably time because I think Batman's obviously a, um, you know, it's 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 a property that's, um, that's that's got a history. So I think it's yeah. But I can see that. Yeah, I can see the tone. The, the tone probably actually is is quite similar because Batman Returns is a very dark film. It's very, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it does have those those moments of, um, of comedy as well. Really, you know, around, um. Especially around uh, Catwoman and Penguin. Yeah, yeah. I, I could. I didn't know that, even though I'm a big fan of this, until I started looking into it. But I did think to myself, I can see elements of that dark writing mm. in Batman because I really like Batman Returns, and I like how dark Batman Returns is. Yeah. And I found it quite interesting when I found out it was the same the same writer. But Demolition Man, I read a fact about. See how um, JD says greetings and salutations, as mm-hmm. he's like little line there's a line apparently in demolition man where somebody says greetings and salutations as like a greeting so that must be like something that the the writer likes yeah it might even be the guy who plays the the reverend do you know i think you're right i never wrote i read this and i never wrote it in my blooming notes but i think it's the same guy yeah is he in demolition man he's in demolition man there you go that's probably what it is there Mm. Well, there we go. Yeah. Okie dokie. Well, I mean, you know, I I don't think I'm going to uh, change my perspective on Airplane. I still would say it's the best comedy of the 80s. And I'm assuming I'm not uh, changing your mind or you're not changing your mind. No, I'm not changing my mind. But what, <laughs> what I will say, if you were looking at pure comedy and it's more like... Um, I can't think of the word. Like, if you were thinking about comedy and I'm working in linear sense, yeah, Airplane is a better comedy. However, Heather's is one of my favourite films. So it's my favourite comedy of the 80s because of that. But I, but I can, like, it's not, it isn't a comedy the way Airplane is. And, like, Airplane apparently has been voted, like, one of the best, top 10 comedies of all time. Heather's is never going to get in a list of the top 10 comedies of all time. So I wouldn't change my view, but I I do appreciate this. But it's been quite an interesting discussion because, like, say, for instance, I'd picked something like Naked Gun, for instance. Mm-hmm. We would have just been talking about the same stuff, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas yeah. I think talking about Airplane and talking about Heather's, they are quite different movies mm-hmm. so i suppose maybe that makes it a slightly more interesting chat than picking two things that are more alike if that makes sense absolutely absolutely uh but we'll have to put it to the polls so uh yes uh the poll should be live now on uh on... Play to win. <laughs> <laughs> you're back in a... i you know with the last episode uh with jamie and overrated gangsters um i knew i was um you know pissing in the wind a little bit uh, with that, um, picking Carly's way. But 
I got one. I've got one vote at least at point of at time of recording. I've got one vote, so that's enough. Um, enough for me. Um, to to claim some small victory that at least somebody agreed with me. Um, although Jamie did try to claim it was him at one point. Um, that voted for me just to make me feel better. But then uh, it was another lie from Jamie. He seems to be a consistent liar at the moment with all his <laughs> Uncle Kurt and, Uncle Kurt. and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah, so uh, it should be live on the polls. So head on over to X uh, slash Twitter um, and cast your vote, please. Yeah, so that about sort of wraps us up. So it's, it falls back to me to pick our... Um, topic for next time. I'll have to start having a think about that, see what we can come up with. But yeah, so is there anything that you want to sort of talk about or plug or push at this moment in time, Vanessa? I think we've mentioned it before, but um, we have actually got a few episodes now recorded of the so-called X-Files podcast, which we should be launching. I mean, we've got a few episodes actually ready to go. We just need to actually launch them. <laughs> and I, by the time this comes out, hopefully, maybe we'll have the first one out. Um, so really excited about that. Um, that's Peter and I obviously talking about all things X-Files. So um, do check that out. And uh, recently, I also guested on It's Not That Bad, talking about Sweet Home Alabama, <laughs> which was a really fun discussion with Jason. So if anybody wants to check that out, and Jason's podcast is really good fun so just check it out even check out the ones that i'm not on because it's just a really good fun podcast so um but yeah nothing else from me i don't think fantastic yeah well uh if uh if we've got the uh so-called x-files podcast out there then i'll add some uh links in the show notes um if not you'll just have to wait but keep an eye on uh the uh movie jewel social medias because we'll uh we'll put a, a link onto there as well um to announced that that's gone live i'm very excited to to get that out uh into into the podcast ether um definitely been very uh, a whole lot of fun to uh to get recording those and um i just love the x-files as is evident yeah. from this podcast um yeah, they've been. Really, I must admit. I mean, like, we've, I think we've got three. No, we've got we've got four recording now. Actually, we've got three, three edited, four recording, <laughs> and uh, they have been really, really good fun um, to record. Really enjoyed all of them, and I'm finally getting used to editing as well, which has taken a wee while. <laughs> so, really, really looking forward to getting those actually out there, as you say, and I'm looking forward to recording more of them because they've been really good fun as well. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, thank you very much, uh, Vanessa, for joining me again. Um, and uh, it just leaves me to say goodbye and for Vanessa to say well fuck me gently with a chainsaw <laughs> <laughs>